Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Welcome back to Station Jacks. I'm out Andrew on the board. Sorry we're a little late this morning. We had uh, uh, issues with the studio because they put new windows in the office yesterday. And it took me a while to get my act together here a little bit. Rehooking things. Because the, the window guys weren't as gentle as they said they were going to be. So there you go. Uh, do we have Mr. Kevin? Morning. How are you? I am doing just fine. It's Friday. What could be wrong? Um, that's true. It's the, uh, wait a minute. Where's the, we don't have any, uh, no happy hour like we used to have. Hey, you set it up. I'll, I'll shoot over to Chicago. You think when, we can still carry time three? we start in happy hour? Can we still carry three kegs across campus, or are we not ready for that? <laughs> Can we still pick one up more than an inch and a half off the ground? I know. Can we just can we get one to just as far as as, as lifting it to a hand truck? Yeah, the idea of going taking them up to the third floor was always a trip. Yeah, it was fun. We had a there was no elevator. Well, you, you know that famous scene with uh, Laurel and Hardy taking the piano up the stairs. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that could be us. Yeah, well, I mean, we never we all, we were young enough, strong enough, and dumb enough to never even use the dumbwaiter. You know, we just we just carried them up the steps. And uh, <laughs> but that I, I think that ship has probably sailed. Just, just oh, like, I, yeah, I do believe it has. <laughs> I believe it sailed about forty years ago. So, what do you think of the uh, of the draft? Bears traded now and not take the guy from Georgia, huh? Um, yeah, they. Uh, they I, my guess is they had no intention of taking him. Um, but they did manage to wrangle a, uh, a fourth-round draft pick out of the Eagles uh, to promise not to take him. So what is a fourth-round? Or, or, or basically to say, okay, we won't take him. We're going to, uh, we'll, we'll just let you have him by, by, by swapping picks. So, you know, okay, yeah, little nice little parlay. I like that. Um, what, what is the, I'm, I'm asking you because I, and it's a question you probably don't know, which is kind of rare. I'm asking you, what is the, what is the protocol? I mean, what, I, why wouldn't you just, the Bears take that guy and this guy, and the, and the Eagles take the guys the Bear want and just swap the swap the guys? Why would you just swap the picks? Is it easier to swap the picks? I, I believe it is. Um, it it also has something to do because the rookie contracts are slotted. Um, okay. So uh, so the Bears the Bears benefit by. Being able to pay the guy slightly less. Okay. All right. So I, yeah, I, I I guess I get that. The uh, but I mean, what did they said? Detroit, Detroit worst worst pool. Joe, Detroit got the F. They had two first round picks. They said both of the guys would have been available in the second round. Immediately, the the judges came out and said the guy that that was a horrible pick. 
I, I did think it was really weird when they took the uh, the running back because there there was a lot of discussion about how far Bijan Robinson would fall, and he's considered, you know, arguably one of the best players or one of the best two or three players in the draft. But now they talk about um, you know value positions, um, you know, offensive tackle, quarterback, of course, um, uh, tackles on offense, um, defensive linemen. Uh, both uh, uh, both pass rushing defensive linemen and the uh, the guys what they call the three technique, which just means some huge guy who clogs up the middle. Yeah, well, you get the different words, but it's it's sort of interesting as you, as you well, you and I watch football for an awful long time. There's always going to be best players on a team, no matter no matter who they are. I mean, you, you I mean, you you're, you'd have a in this no there's no fullback world. You'd find a role for Larry Zanka or Franco Harris, right? You would. They're, they're they're just that good. I mean, you know, I mean, there's no no way you can hide them. You know, they're 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 the, they're the combination of the biggest, fastest guy you have. You know, and, and they're shifty, and and they're tough as the nails. I mean, I mean, the, the the probably the last team that was totally dominated. Well, they had some great ball players. They had Larry Little and other people, but the, the Miami Dolphins, their best player was Larry Zanka, right? I mean, there's no no ifs, ands, or buts. Even though the other people were really good, and somehow they found a way to use the guy in in, in a lot of different ways. And yeah, and, and well, and to make it work, and and those in, in those days, it was also you know those, those were big running back days. So, um, you know, so it it did matter uh, because uh, because running uh, predominated. Now it's it's such a passing game that. Um, uh, you know that that, that and, and that's part of why running backs are so fungible. In fact, that probably the biggest question they ask, or one of the biggest questions they ask about a, a back now, is uh, how is he in pass blocking? Well, that's that's true. Right? But you know, everything has a. You you watched the Bears last year, who were who were horrible. Okay, but they had their offensive line, and a couple other teams were like this too. Their offensive line couldn't pass block worth a lick, but run run blocking they weren't so bad, and. As you as you noticed, I mean, I I, I noticed this a, a lot, Kevin, because when I coached in this, uh, I was the offensive coordinator, where that it means, in his real high end uh, touch league in Mount Greenwood, where it was ten teams and seven of them would go to the national champions. I mean, that's how good they were. Well, they wanted Dr. J, not me, but I was like a combination backup quarterback, backup uh, blocking back, and and like I was the coordinator uh, for plays and stuff. And you know, I didn't know much, but I learned. But you found in, in the, the, that level of ball when you don't when you can't run, your edge rushers are, are not they're not my size or your size. They're guys that are like five ten fast as hell. Mm-hmm. And and so I mean, even though your your blocking backs might have been some guy. Matter of fact, we had a guy who played O line for Iowa or someplace. Um, so and a few other people had guys that, you know they were big boys. You're, 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 and they they were quick on their feet to handle these young fast guys. But but the, but you, you know, when you don't. When you don't care if he ever has to make a tackle, he's got to get to somebody. You you have you have your cornerback playing rushing, rushing if you could, right? Because who's going to catch that guy, right? I mean, it's it's all about. Uh, but now I think some of these teams have gone where, I think the Richard Dent would have been one of the biggest defensive ends in the division last year, and he's bigger than anybody on the Bears. When you start taking your edge rushers down to two fifteen, two twenty, two twenty five for speed, all of a sudden some team comes in there. With a guy like Zanka or Franco Harris, and you're running some guy 250 against them ten times a game, 
you, you can turn the bus around real fast doing that. I mean, well, and that may become the counter, uh, yeah, you know, to the predominance of the edge rusher because that's how the NFL goes. It's 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 like spy versus spy. Um, so you know, the top the top prospect at that position was Will Anderson. He he's listed at two hundred and fifty three pounds. Um, the uh, the next, let's see, let me let me make uh, let me make the position say edge. Here um, on the NFL, Tyree Wilson, the uh, the second guy picked, um, is uh, listed at uh, two two seventy one. So he's a little bit bigger. Well, you got um, You have to be. You can't but, be three fifty. But you're not going to see. You're, you're not. What you're not going to see is the um, uh, the uh, the defensive tackle who you know anything resembling a defensive tackle like uh, Jalen Carter. Uh, who weighs in at? Uh, if you can believe it, uh, three hundred and fourteen pounds. Well, because you not only got to beat the guy in front of you now, you got to catch Mahomes. And if you got a guy who's three fourteen and he chases Mahomes two plays, you're lucky you don't have to get a gurney for the guy. Right. Yeah. So what you're doing with the three fourteen, or even the second guy taken, the guy from Clemson, uh, uh, Breezy. Um, you know he's he's two ninety eight. What you're doing is you need th- those guys are there to collapse the pocket in the middle, and, it's, and, and then it you takes, have to have the edge rusher who can chase them. And they have to, and they're, they're going to take up two linemen, the guard and the center. That's their their, their job is to, is to be double teamed the rest of their life. If you never if you never hear their name, is called. to be double teamed, and, and and meanwhile, so does your edge rusher need to be double teamed. He needs a back or a tight end or something on him. So you want to take a guy out of the out of the uh, pass pattern, uh, and or you want to. Um, you know, you want to make the uh, well, and you're doing that if you if you double team that guy using one of your backs, uh, um, or or the tight end doesn't matter. You're taking you're taking a pass receiver out, so so you're doubling up on that, and uh, because you can't if if you have that guy collapsing the middle, then you don't have anybody left to double team on the outside, and you're still going to have to account for that guy. So that's really what a great defense needs is is somebody in the middle who does who pushes the pile back it's like having um who the bears have a couple of years ago um what akeem hicks akeem hicks in the middle and then on the outside you had uh a uh khalil mack uh, khalil mack thank you well um, that's what dan hampton did he, he could collect the pop same thing with wally chambers same thing with uh well he didn't collapse the pocket he was just so fast uh guy from notre dame who came the uh, alan page uh he, he was he was fast enough to get through in the middle well, and he was big enough when he, yeah. you know, back in his MVP years with Minnesota, he he uh, uh, got rid of a lot of weight as as an older player, um, and and just played undersized was still very effective. Hampton was was kind of a freak of of nature because Hampton was really really good when he played defensive end, and he was really really good when he played defensive tackle, and it was is just a matter of where they needed him. When they had McMichael and William Perry, then he kicked out to defensive end a lot, and and he was still terrific. Well, two people that you know, and I, we're not going to go pissing off Steeler or Dallas fans today, but two people that are in the Hall of Fame that. Eh, Arguably, if they were if they were played in the hinterlands, would not be are the two middle linebackers that played behind Bob Lilly and Mean Joe Green. Was it uh, Leroy Jordan in the one place, and uh, who was the guy in uh, the Jack Lambert in, in Philadelphia? No, no, Lambert was uh, Pittsburgh. That's what I mean. Pittsburgh he played behind Mean Joe Green. Oh, behind Mean Joe. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, but Jack I, Ham, Jack Lambert, and but I mean, uh, Black, I mean Lambert was. You put him on a. a 
a team without Joe Green getting double teamed every, every play in his life. I don't know that Jack Lambert's well, an average it, ball player. It, it, and, and Joe Joe Green, Dwight White, um, geez, I should be able to rattle off all four of their uh, front guys. They were all terrific. Well, I mean, but the one so, guy said so. The yes, tone. you had Joe Green. You also had other guys keeping them off of him too. Yeah, but who was the guy that was in the Hall of Fame from the the Cowboys? He was two hundred and ten pounds. He played behind Bob Lilly his whole career. Or Butkus, <laughs> long after he retired, he's the uh, Bears of '85. He kind of come and help. He came came in and helped on the radio, and they go. Uh, Vic, what do you think about today's game? And he goes, he goes today behind these two tackles, I'll make a couple of tackles. He goes today. I'm not talking about today's game. He goes behind these two guys, I get him a field day. <laughs> what would they had uh, McMichael and uh, Hampton or the, the fridge, whatever it was, what was in the middle. He goes, it's all about the guys in front of you, right? The guys around you. He goes, these guys, I'll, I'll never see a guard or a center. I'll be, I just get to run around. <laughs> you know, he he knew the game obviously. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden, if, it, if 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 you got a center or a guard on you in the middle linebacker, what he has to worry anybody else but you, it's a tough day because those guys are bigger than you, right? Yeah. So going back to the Lions, though, they 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 were in a position to be one of the uh, um, one of the big winners last night, and they really didn't don't appear to be. They could have. Uh, everybody says this morning. I only read a little bit of it that they could have traded down for either one of those picks. Yeah. But it's not like they're bad ball players. I mean, they're not horrible. I, mean, I, I, never, I never heard of a linebacker from Iowa, or did you? I, mean, um, I, I hadn't, but uh, that is primarily because I, I um, <laughs> don't follow Iowa. But I, you know, I look at his his grade again. This is NFL.com stuff. His grade, he's got a nice grade. He's a six point two, which which translates to what they say will eventually be an average starter. Yeah, well, the other kid from and, Iowa, the center, and, got drafted and, last year. He's like all world already, isn't he? Yeah. So you can, you know, and, and guys will defy their uh, their draft grades. So there, there's no doubt about that. Um, I, you know, so I, I don't begrudge them that. It's it's just uh, it's just kind of weird because there seem to be guys at uh, positions that the uh, uh, that the uh, that the, the Lions didn't didn't need. It's you know the same thing that uh, Jameer Gibbs, the running back they took grades out at a uh, score that says we'll eventually be a plus starter well that's good but didn't they just sign a running back in free agency you know a plus starter in free agency well the what kevin and i are talking about is if, if you granted there's 30 30 people in the 31 or 32 people in the first round you should be getting the, the absolute top of the gene pool not necessarily uh you know you could get some combination of talent and character where the guy's going to be a a solid starter for, you know, 10, 12 years, and that's okay in the bottom part of the first round. But the top 10, 15 people, you're, you're almost looking at Hall of Fame talent. That doesn't mean you're going to get there, right? I mean, but that's the... No, and guys are going to bust. Yeah, but, that, but the, your objective is the guy who busts is still going to be somebody who's one of the fastest, freakiest guys. I mean, if you, if you, never, if you never played kind of ball at any level, there's everybody on every team, if you call any coach, every player, and say... Who's your guy? They're gonna go that guy. I mean, I mean it, everybody knows who's the. Just like the, uh, the dude I played, I played a couple of games when I was more coaching, kind of retired in softball. I pitched if they needed me, but uh, one guy I forget his name is. He was called Bubba, big kid. Uh, he played center for. Uh, I'm gonna say, uh, where, where did Cleo Mack go? Uh, Toledo. Buffalo, I think. Buffalo. Okay, and then, and then Bubba went to Toledo, so Bubba's the center. 
and his job was if you swept right or swept left, he was supposed to hike the ball and immediately turn around and make sure nobody was nobody nobody was chasing the play from the back. And if something happened, you could you know you take the back down from the other side. Uh, but you'd have you know it, if, if the play delayed at all, if you're running from the other side, you can catch it right. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. I can't or you can't, but it can be caught. Or or if anybody forces him to cut back, you yeah, can catch it, you especially catch it. if you're Khalil Mack. Well, so he goes, he hikes the ball, he drops back, looks for the guy, the guy's already by him. <laughs> so it was cool. He goes, what's what's with that? That's not, I mean, you, you can tell right away the people who are just a little bit different. I mean, I remember um, you weren't, you, uh, I, don't, I don't think you were there yet. My, my uh, well, Steve Niehaus was uh he was in my class. Okay, so you you were a freshman. Well, he he shows up, and this is freshman could play, and still and, bump into Steve once in a while. He's a good guy. Yeah, good guy. And uh, he was uh, he was a, a dude. He was a freshman. Freshman could just it was a first year freshman could play. So the, the the Irish had some guy named Greg Marks, some big huge guy playing tackle, and they were touting him for All American. And I don't think he was ever being you know he's a good ball player, but he wasn't. I don't know if he was that good. Uh, I mean, if you're playing, starting for the Irish, you're a good ball player, so you can't say the guy sucked. I mean, he certainly didn't. But he was being touted for All-American. So uh, they're playing Purdue, I think. So Flynn and Mack, our two buddies, knew the offense, the the guard who's starting for Purdue. He came from Catholic Central, where they came from in Indiana. So after the game, we go up to the dorm, there were a couple of beers, and all of a sudden the phone rings, and <laughs> it's this guy from Purdue. And he goes... You got that big fatso playing tackle up there. We were all worried about. He's horrible. Who's the guy next to him? That freshman. We were double teaming that guy after four plays. Who the hell is that guy? That, that was Niehaus. I mean, you just know immediately. You know what's weird, Kevin, about the guy? He used to shoot pool at Nicky's. Not that he was ever in a bar, right? Uh, or, or having a beer. And I'm a senior, and just watching the guy shoot pool, he looked like Jackie Gleason walking around a table. His feet were. He was like he was a ballet dancer, even though the guy was two seventy. You could just tell even the guy walking was different than regular people. And, and he's a real nice guy. I mean, but I'm saying, you could just tell this guy, he, was, he reminded me, you know he reminded me a lot of his Alex Karras. Same thing, okay. just very light on his feet, just ma- amazingly quick in space. You can, you can tell that instantly when you play basketball or something with somebody, okay, this guy's different. Man, I, we're talking a lot of sports here, but that's the truth, right? That'd be the truth. Well, it is. And so, the, you know, finished the story on Niehaus. Uh, wound up being the number two player taken in the draft behind Leroy Selman. Uh, Tampa took Selman, and then Seattle. <clears throat> both expansion teams took, uh, Seattle took Niehaus. And Niehaus went on to become, uh, let me see here, NFC Defensive Rookie of the Year. Held the Seahawks record for uh, sacks in a season with nine and a half. Uh, or he ho- still holds it, although well, these many years later, that's the rookie record for sacks in a season. <clears throat> and then he started getting injured, and, and that uh, ended his career. And it, it, it says in this little write-up he suffered knee injuries, which injured, ended his career, which may be true. But he also, I don't think, can raise his arm, uh, one of his arms above his head uh, because of shoulder injuries. Well, the uh, I'm going to say a lot of that stuff came because, talk about the famous story, he he was the guy, uh, maybe the second guy, that was the originator of the Sports Illustrated jinx. I don't know if you remember this. When he was a freshman, and the freshman could just start that year, Sports Illustrated was doing a story on freshmen that are starting their first year, you know, as a freshman. 
because before that they couldn't play. They couldn't play until sophomore year. So they, the camera crew came out to practice at Notre Dame, and this is like midway through the year, maybe even later through the year. They took all these pictures of Niehaus, and he was going to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated. And he and, and then he went from there to a pass-rushing drill and hurt his knee and, needing, and needed surgery. He had to sit out the rest of his freshman year. And in those days, if you got hurt when you were 18 and they did surgery on you, especially the Notre Dame doctors, you never it, it's not like today you never you never came back from that i mean it was before arthroscopic surgery yeah before arthroscopic and they opened everything up and they used to take cartilage out in those days which and he and, and guess what he, he he did he he became one of the poster child's children for the sports illustrated jinx and of course when they knew he got hurt in practice they pulled him from the cover the next week he was never on the cover he was just mentioned in the article i can't believe you didn't know that story didn't remember it. That's all. Now you know it. I mean, it was, yeah, so gotta, yeah. I'm, I'm old yeah. and feeble-minded, Tom. I'm not going to remember all of it. All right. So it's, uh, it, it's just generally going to be. You know, the things I remember from way a uh, long time ago tend to be more along the lines of uh, meaningless trivia. Uh, but isn't that the truth? Hey, let's uh, shift gears here a little bit. What when they talk about this uh, artificial intelligence? We'll get into this with Carl a little bit. Other than the new buzzword, you know, it's the new cloud. It's the new. B two B, it's a new whatever it is, ticks, uh, click throughs. Um, what what exactly are we talking about here, Kevin? And, and where's the money? I mean, just now every firm, no matter who they are, I mean, if PTI, you know, had a, we, if we came out with our earnings, we'd have to say we're doing artificial intelligence on trades, even though we're not. We go, we want we want to goose our stock price. Is it is it all BS? Is it real stuff? Is it? I mean, what what are we talking? Or is it just well? Let's, let, let's let's go on a, a couple of layers. So you know, the the one I've, that uh, has some interest for me uh, personally is uh, artificial the the ability to have some kind of artificial intelligence service write papers for you. Okay. Um, so that that one I you know I I am going to have to deal with I am sure over the next couple of years, and my thought on it is um, rather than fight it because it's really really hard. See, we we have all kinds of tools when people submit their their um, their uh, essays and things. You say we as, submit, as a professor. We we in the academy, academia. Yes. Um, it, it, when. Uh, you know, there's there's a service like a Turnitin as an example. Turnitin is a uh, has this service. Um, you submit you submit something, and it scores it for how much it resembles other work. So it's an anti-plagiarism tool, but it also has a big database of not just uh, articles and uh, research papers and things like that that have been turned in, but other students' essays for the same assignment over the years. So if you just got one from somebody else um, you, you know you, you see this high score you click on the high score and it'll show you exactly where the original came from so that you know you have those well if you have uh, an AI system like uh, chat GPT write your paper uh, for you um, then uh, you know it's original <laughs> as far as ter- uh, something like turn it in is is concerned I'm back up a second what uh that that presupposes. I'm trying to think with you, maybe ahead of you. It presupposes that every paper you get now, you have to put in the system. What do you mean? I have to put in the well, system? How, how would they know it? How would the system know if if the paper that Andrew turned in this week is the same as mine last week, unless mine is in the system? Oh well, yours will go in the system as soon as you submit it. That's what I'm saying. It, 
So it's now everybody Turnitin's going to scan it. It's going to save the. It, it's going to save it in the database. So if if I wrote a if I wrote a paper in college on some controversial subject, why the bleep would I want anybody to be able to read that other than a professor? Mm, I don't know. That's up to you. But, but so everything. So now everything I turn in in college is now goes into some central databank. Yes, it does. Whose idea was that? Mm, I don't know. It, it, it was it, basically it's an anti-plagiarism service. So it's a, it's, a <laughs> it's yet another. Way yes, it w- yes, it's yet another Big Brother is watching you system. I, I or at least potentially is another uh, Big Brother is watching you. I'm system. sitting here right now. You can knock me over to feather. I cannot believe this. So as I continue yeah. here. Um, Go ahead. Don't, don't, the, don't, make, uh, make, don't, don't, don't worry about me at all here. I'm just, I'm just well, sitting Well, I'm, I'm kind of thinking I need to embrace the idea of ChatGPT rather than fight it. And what does that mean? Uh, it means I may, I may start giving students assignments that says, go to ChatGPT, have it write you a paper, and now you have to argue with it. Or, you know, bring it into the classroom and, uh, uh, and present it not as your own, but as, as what you got, and then uh, lead a discussion about it. All right, so... And what you think. So, you you know, I, I need to get people back into critical... You know, if, if they start using this, I need to have them in criti- back in critical thinking mode. All right, so wait a minute. So we all, we're all going to... We're going to read uh, some book or some article or something and, and World War II. We're going to talk about uh, Hitler's final days or something. Okay, so... So 50 swinging idiots in your room all go to chat GDP and say, write me, write me a paper about Hitler's final days. It's going to look like everybody in my room can't, in my Latin class copying the homework. It's got to be the same yeah, thing. Yeah, everybody's going to get the same one. That's not what I'm suggesting. Okay. I'm suggesting each person gets a different topic. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so you know, so, uh, but the, I, I, I haven't fully fleshed this out, you know, as to how I'm going to do it. But, there, you know, somewhere along the line, um, I know when I'm swimming against the tides, uh, so you know how can I turn that around? And, and I think you have to be a little creative with that. Um, so you know, so maybe that's that's the way it goes. Remember, we have textbooks that do the same thing as Chat GPT, don't we? I mean, it, it's just somebody you know. There's some research behind it, and uh, and, and then it's published, and so you can just as well go steal from that. Well, except so, that every every real textbook. I mean, I if you read about People, well, I'm showing my age here, but as you know, I'm a I'm a researcher on railroads, and uh, there's the uh, there's a book actually Bridget John's wife bought it for me for birthday once. It was a um, what the hell was the name of it? It was the uh, Nothing Like It in the World. It was the uh, story of the uh, building of the Transcontinental Railroad, and it's fascinating. Well, the thing is amazingly heavily heavily research or uh, footnoted. Because the original work was uh, the high road, the promontory, coming from the west, with all the all the people that got killed and all the, how they did the tunnels with gunpowder. Well, the second book has a lot of the same stuff in it, but every page has got fifteen footnotes saying where it came from. The high road, the promontory. So they gave total credit to the people who actually did it. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But but nope, but not I, at all. But what the? Because I mean. When, when somebody writes an article on how they blew up, they, how they cut some tunnel, 15 other people don't have to do the same research, right, if the guy did it right. Yeah, and, and you know, as long, as long as you cite your sources, yeah. and that's, you know, that's true in the business world, too. You know, um, when, when I 
talk to my students about how to write for business because you don't have to do footnotes and, and that, but you still should cite your sources. Feel free, steal liberally. That's, you know, in, in business, that's, that would be encouraged. Go out, get good ideas, good, good, uh, good research, but just say where you got it. Don't make, you know, don't make it your original, uh, uh, pass it off as your original thought because someone's going to call you on it and you're going to look like an idiot. You know what's weird, Kevin? And it, you know, probably the protocol is better. Man, boy, I won't fly off topic again. When, when you look at some of these old economics books, uh, especially some of the stuff that Friedman and those guys wrote, about money supply and things like that. If you see like a half a page chart, graph, whatever the hell you want to call it, uh, that people seem to think that you can take charts as if they're nothing. Yet that chart, the, the, the data behind that chart, has to be a stack of papers as tall as me. It probably took somebody two months to do. I mean, but yet, are charts part of copyright law? They, they must be. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't the answer to that. But those old books, all all the all the uh, the education was in the charts or the graphs, and yet there's no way that in every book that they published all the data behind that chart, which would have been uh, no no. Although you'd be surprised at, uh, uh, or you might be surprised at the amount of data sets that you do get with some of the research. Well, I mean, if if, if some of the charts in, in Milton's in other words, in other words, you get as, as sort of like an attachment to your book the entire data set. Well, I wonder. I mean, in those, I don't, I don't know that there was an unabridged version of his book. The book was long enough as it was. I can't imagine how long that would have been if every chart was was typed out. For God's sake. Well, yeah, but now it it isn't typed out. <laughs> well, I'm saying that it, it, at the time, yeah. Yeah. But now, uh, you know, now no. Well, just, I, I I was I was under a, the impression it, that this artificial intelligence was. Uh, what did they what did they used to call it with uh, God, Space Odyssey, Hal, where where the the computer actually learned as it went. Yeah. Okay. So th- that's where I was going. So I, I was just you know I really meant it to be a quick hit on the okay. uh, uh, on the uh, academic side. Yeah. Except um, everything because that's, up that's, the, that's very newsy right now. So but it's also you know, every time you open up a t- subject, there's a million sub subjects, right? Yeah. That nobody ever wants to get into. So, but part two is th- think of a manufacturing application as an example, that um, that you have a very automated production line. You have a lot of robots, and the robots start coordinating activities. They know when to, they recognize when to take themselves offline, um, and redirect some of the work to someplace else because this thing needs to be recalibrated. It's that those are the those are the uh, the hot AI types of topics right now. There's, there is more to come. There is going to be deep research. There is going to be Big Brother stuff that is that should be cause for concern and should be cause for discussions and and you know what are we going to do for privacy and so on and all that's coming. Um, if if you think of um, have you heard of big data analytics uh, from you? Yes, yes, from me. But for the listeners, big data just means. We're talking about all the data that we cast off all the time. So you have your basic stuff. Like if you were looking at a, if you if, if you were talking about your bank account, there's a fixed set of data that's stored on you and stored for each transaction, and your bank is responsible for protecting that. Um, but the, it, it's all very fixed, very clearly defined. What's what a master file looks like. But then there's all the other data we cast off, like our purchasing history and our social media information 
um, you know, our social media posts, everything that goes up there, and all of those, it's it's just totally freeform data. Um, and uh, and and so, how do you how do you capture it? organize it and try to make some sense of it especially if you're trying to use it say for a marketing application and figure out what's hot and what do I have to be you know what what products do I have to be um, making and I have to be shifting my emphasis in real time you know if you're if you're in a, a retail products business that would be really important so when you start thinking of that there is a certain uh, you know first of all there's you know the whole how how do you turn Freeform data into structured data data that you can analyze is what big data analytics is all about. And then on top of that, then what do you start learning about people and what do you start learning about individuals and predict, getting predictive about individuals' behaviors becomes the artificial intelligence side of it. Well, it started and, out, oh. it started out, Kevin, as, uh, again, I guess where I, where, my, where I would draw the line here, and I'm asking you, I'm probably wrong. Um, for instance, if you I'll use two quick examples. One is, if you ever re- read the book, was it uh, uh, Patriot Games with Tom Clancy? Sure. And uh, somehow the Jack Ryan's family got attacked by these Irish guys and blah, blah, blah. And they thought they fled to northern Africa, which, in fact, they had. And there was satellite passes that would go, we got satellites going all over the place, <clears throat> even when this book was written. And they take, what's the number, Kevin? A million, a million photos a day <laughs> uh, or some number. Now, the question is, okay, who the hell is going to look at them? So they said, okay, we'll, we'll redirect the satellites over these camps in northern Africa, and we'll see, you know, if we can find these people there because they're, you know, pretty good uh, pictures. But <clears throat> Jack and his wife and a bunch of other people or his friends had to stay after work with a magnifying glass and go over these thousands of photos until finally they found, you know, a red-haired lady with light skin, it had to be the lady. Anyway, so it's not about the data. It's about the same thing Kevin's talking about. Like on Dan Ryan now, they put you know these uh, cameras out there to basically take everybody's license plate. All right, <clears throat> what do you do with that? You got this this massive things of license plates, people flying by. But this, now, what? How do you how do you search through it? Who looks at it? who? Who tells the machine what to look for? Is it carjacking people? Is it murders? Is it stolen cars? It, managing that data is what you're talking about, Kevin. Yeah. But, but the next, and the next level so, where I'm getting so, to, but the let next me finish, level let me finish real is, quick is the next level is causing things to happen because of that data, and that's where the intelligence. Where, comes where's in. where I'm at? Here's where I'm at. The question I'm trying to ask here is my definition, if there is such a thing, going back to 2001, is you you tell the computer to check for stolen cars on the Ryan, and the computer by itself says, "Wait a minute, I just spotted a murder suspect." It learns on its own. That's is that where we're going with this? Where you don't, you don't have to tell it to look at it. Automatically shifts gears on its own. It learns on its own. Yeah, that that yes, that would be part of it. Um, you know, and, and like I said, there there you know, in manufacturing, in farming, in you know, places like that, there are all kinds of great applications for it. If you think of driverless cars, there's going to be for those to be in any way successful, there's going to have to be an artificial intelligence behind it that says. You know that that it says I'm I'm you know the the most insipid but kind of easy to understand uh, our discussion around driverless cars is how do you how do you make sure 
that the uh, the camera and the computer recognize that uh, I have to crash the car into the light pole because I don't want to hit the lady with the baby buggy. Well, that's the thing. You can't possibly input every situation, so you're going to count on the machine. So it has to learn. To, it has to think, basically. Yep. And that's... Are you think we're there yet? On, on any kind of real level? Oh, we're, uh, we're scratching the surface on capabilities, but we are seeing it in manufacturing. You give you the farming example uh, that, that looks something like... Um, you know, maybe you have an orchard and you have drones and drones that can go up and down and, you know, map out your orchard and tell you exactly where, you know, this needs, you know, this area is uh, kind of dry and needs a little more water and, you know, recognizes that maybe the trees aren't aren't leafy enough and that's going to affect your crop. And so they're going to start, ha- you know, making decisions and then not just reporting back to you, which exists already, but then dispatching the next set of drones that are going to, de- you know, deal with the situation. So they're actually, you know, say we, because of this row, we really should check the next row as well, and they're going to make that call, and the drone's going to go up without you even telling it to. Yeah, but it's not, it, it's not just identifying, it's diagnosing and, and taking action on it. Well, in the right hands, it's probably a big, big breakthrough, in the wrong hands, not so good. Yeah, th- and that's where we are. And how often, and is you know privacy has been an issue on my radar for I don't know how long but for a really long time as it stands right now and then what you know what have we seen on the uh, availability you know the surveillance availability what whatever you think of people like Snowden what you know and and, and others um, and, and you know how they go about it what have we learned uh, about surveillance what have we learned about surveillance when they say don't worry we're not reading your texts or listening to your calls we just look at the metadata well the metadata is you know in in simplest uh, definition is data about the data and what does that mean it means if if I get uh, it, you know if, if you may not be reading my texts but you may uh, be oh what I want to say you, you're gonna capture the call, uh, the calling number, the send, uh, the sending number, the receiving number, the date, the time, the length of the message, um, and uh, uh, you know, and, and I don't know what else. You know, you I mean you can sort of think of anything that would be descriptive uh, about your text message or your or a phone call or something like that. So yeah, we're not we're not listening in on your phone calls, but if I get a uh, and so, you know, this is all part of the Patriot Act. If I get a, uh, a phone call every Tuesday in, uh, from a psychiatrist's office, what do you know about me? I have a feeling, Kevin, that if you, well, I sure as hell don't want anybody to do this. If you, if I picked up the phone and called you and I said, I have three rifles ready to kill the president, I'm going to say that that gets picked up, that they're looking for various things that people say. Well, I, I will not be surprised if that's true. Legally, not allowed. Uh, in reality, is it happening? Probably. I think there's, there's certain so, buzzwords uh, that probably are being, are being searched for. That came out of yeah. a... So, so I've read that in several the, books. The, the point is that when, when everybody is saying it's just the metadata, forget that piece of it because that's illegal. Um, but there, but yeah, if it's happening, it's happening. 
What, um, uh, what, but, what, what, but but it's just that simple dismissal of it's just it's just the metadata. We're not listening to your calls, and and I say BS on that. That you know you're you're learning because if if I get that weekly call, then that tells you I'm seeing a psychiatrist every week. And why is that the government's business? Well, it, it what do you it, mean? You know, if 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 a woman calls, uh, gets a call from in in the same day, gets a call from. Um, uh, 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 an obstetrician's office, and then starts making calls to Planned Parenthood and places like that. What do you know? She's contemplating an abortion. Um, you know, don't matter what you think of abortion. Uh, what do you? Uh, you know, is, is that something that's the government's business as it stands right now? And the answer to that is no, of course not. And yet, that's all being captured and cataloged, and and it's all available. Do you think that, you know, if you run for office, do you think that kind of stuff is going to show up on somebody's radar? Um, you well, know, if you looked at uh, the thing with Elliot Spitzer, we got a few minutes, I'll be brief with this story. And, you know, like him, like him or don't like him, uh, he was governor of New York, and, uh, and to the financial community, he was quite the character because uh, everybody in the industry, the Spitzer's are the haves in the industry, thought that he was a traitor to his class and was Darth Vader. The, the non-haves in the business, guys like me, who were, who were let's put it this way, I'm not going to say this briefly, too late already. Uh, if you were a specialist on a New York Stock Exchange and had no basically no discipline ever, you could do whatever you wanted despite what the rules are, he was a traitor to his class. He went after people in the New York Stock Exchange. He wasn't the SEC because he realized the SEC... And, and, the, and the New York Stock Exchange were attached at the hip. Okay, but now if you were a market maker in a Florida CBOE and you had to deal with these specialists, all, most of them obeyed the rules and were pretty good, and a few didn't, and everybody knew exactly where the guys that weren't. So Spitzer went after some of these guys, which did not make him popular with the, with the big guys in the industry, but the little guys like me thought he was pretty damn good. Uh, anyway, so the guy becomes governor, and he's taking money out, cash out of his bank account, uh, no, I don't think he was going over to 10000 He's taking cash out. So somehow they notice it. They, whoever the hell they are, who don't want the guy going anywhere because who's ever in charge of this country didn't want the guy anywhere near the place. Uh, they decide to, to put a phone tap on him to protect him because they thought he was being blackmailed. That's why he needed the cash money. In fact, he had a hooker. Okay, but he could just as easily have gone to Vegas once a month and taken seven grand cash and they, he would have been, but somebody, it, there was a process somehow that got him the warrant for, to actually tap his phone line. He had a landline. Or, I don't know if it was a cell phone. I think it was his landline. It was, yeah, it was, it was the phone in the governor's office, I think, Kevin, or something like that. So it was a landline. And so now that, that could be, that, that could turn, in, in, I won't say your world, Kevin, but in his new world, that could be anybody who takes. Even though the you know you got to report it if it's over ten grand or eleven grand or whatever it is, anybody who takes out four to seven eight thousand dollars cash in any given month, we wonder if they're doing anything illegal or they're being blackmailed. We're automatically going to tap into their cell phones, uh, you know, for the next month to see what's going on here. I I could see that happening immediately if if it could all be done automatically. Sure, and you know all you need is pretense. Yeah. Well, yeah, all you need is pretense to legalize it, but you don't need pretense to do it in the first place. Right. Well, why? Why is this guy taking out five grand in cash? Well, maybe he had his house painted, and the people there don't want to get. Whatever. I mean, the assumption now that every time you use cash, it's an illegal activity. Somehow or another, 
we've let and not just the young people. Well, just, just wait for your your um, um, you know cryptocurrency, your dollar denominated cryptocurrency from the Fed. Well, we, I bet you you can't wait for that. Well, huh? I, I don't. I don't. I really don't understand why. Well, when you, when you talk about things young people do, sorry, Andrew, they're the inability to understand or. In our generation, you didn't want anybody looking at any of your stuff. I don't know what that, why that was. If people were convinced that the, the 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 man was after people who were protesting against Vietnam or whatever it was, but there was a real privacy deal that young people had. You didn't want it. Why would that guy want to look at my stuff? Well, who is he? Who? I don't want the cop checking my my trunk. You know, whatever. Unless right. It, and now 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 it's our generation. It's that boomer generation that is driving, and it's and and generations after us as well. But. Uh, boomer generation signing off on it in Congress anyway, um, in being more intrusive than ever before. Well, but but the younger people don't seem to, they don't even seem to care. What's the difference? What if everybody knows everything I do with my my credit card and every time the debit card and every time I get coffee the same place every day? Everybody should know about it. I I, I don't I want anybody knowing about any of that stuff, Kevin. Even though yeah, I, I raise it in the classroom all the time, Tom, and it's always news. It, it's always big news to them. Really, really, and so, yeah, and you guys, you know, I, I'm just going to be this old guy, you know, in the rocking chair on the porch, sitting on the side, you know, uh, on the sidelines when this is really, really a huge problem, and so, you know, it, it's you that's got to live with it. I'm just going to be, you know, but why, why the, is the old the old geezer sitting there watching it? But why has somebody been? I don't want to ask Andrew, but why has somebody, whole generation, been brainwashed that having every brainwashed is a great term. Uh, that have been brainwashed into letting other people look at everything you do is okay. That, that's not natural to think that way. Is it? It is. It, I would think not. If if I can throw something yeah. on here. It's like, I, I everyone everyone in my generation kind of just knows it, and it's, it's not that much we're okay with it. It's more just like, this is kind of have to, we have to deal with. <laughs> like, it's just it's what more, we're what are you going to do about it, huh? What yeah. can I do about it? And you know, I I think there needs Andrew. I think there needs to be a sea change in in that attitude. It needs to be. No, we're not taking this. We're not putting up with this. Um, you know, I I think when Carl will be on in just a second, uh, he's probably if I pull up Zoom, I will bet you, yeah, he's in he's in the Zoom room now. Carl, you should come on. I'm um, here. Yeah, because because you're gonna you're definitely gonna be in the in the we're not going to take it mode. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I know I know what you uh, where you go when you get into the not uh, not going to take it mode. It it either it it we you know when 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 we can't make any progress on it, what's left. Um, oh, is, oh, is I, oh, I have, some, I, I have some ideas, and uh, they they involve uh, cutting things like power cords. Yeah. Well, well let's go to break here real quick, and we'll bring <laughs> and, and and other <laughs> appendages. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin, on that thought, uh, we'll we'll talk at you next week. Maybe we'll even a, a, a quick one Monday or something on the, on the draft as it piles through. And see how the Bears did, even if it's five minutes. We'll talk. SP Futures down 17, NASDAQ down 50. We'll do a quick break. Be right back with Mr. Carl. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com/jocks. 
Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Right here, right now, right now. Oh, whoop. Wrong mix there. Let's bring it right back up. <laughs> we'll do that at the bottom of the hour. Just do a quick one here. SP Futures down 17, NASDAQ Futures down 54. One of the big movers is Snap did not do so hot on their uh, revenue numbers. They're down a buck 83 to 867. So that's what the hell is that? That's uh, 20% almost, 15%. That's a big move. Uh, Kyle, how are you, bud? Well, I'm doing well. I, I'll tell you what's uh, what I thought was interesting yesterday, right after the market closed, was uh, my favorite love-to-hate company, Spamazon, yeah. uh, announced their earnings. And initially, they got quite a nice little pop, about $13 or so on the initial release. 
And, uh, you know, for a stock that split and was trading about 100 bucks, that's 13, 13 bucks is, that's a pretty big move, right? Well, it's you down know, 370 now. That's 3.5%, so uh, 13 yeah. would have been a lot, yeah. Well, and the funny thing about it is that the reason that happened is that what I had been talking about for oh, the last seven or eight years is now showing up in the earnings numbers. And that is that their view and the market's view that everything cloud was going to be the future of humanity. And therefore, Amazon being one of the first ones to offer this with AWS, uh, which, by the way, just came out of spare capacity that they built out for their shipping logistics they didn't need, uh, and then turned it into a business, was was going to mean that they could sell physical products at a loss forevermore and, sub- and cross-subsidize it with this other line of business which, by the way, at the time, had a 40% pre-tax operating margin. That's pretty darn good. We, we managed to do 43 for a few years, which uh, when MCSnet was being acquired, the people that were looking at buying it didn't believe our numbers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I had a couple people tell me they thought I was cheating, and I said, well, you know, seeing, as, seeing as we operate on a cash basis here with uh, this cash statement, uh, call the bank and find out if the money's in the account. Uh, kind of hard to cheat a check register. What did Kevin but, say on Wednesday that people figured out that cloud is just renting a computer from somebody else? Well, it's what it is. But it, but the the problem with it is that uh, you know cloud, the the premise behind it has has some very good use cases. Right? If you have very spiky load in your processing requirements, you cannot predict it accurately in advance, uh, but you need to be able to respond rapidly to those things. Uh, then having you know having a reservoir that you're not paying for when you're not using it uh, looks awfully good, right? From a financial point of view, right? I mean, you know, I have I have this much load, but there are times that I need ten times as much computer power as I normally need. And uh, by God, if I had to build a data center with ten times as many computers in it, uh, <laughs> that'd be pretty expensive, and most of the time doesn't get used. So being able to scale like that is uh, that's where the value is. That's the only place the value where the value is, though. All right, we don't want to spend forever on this, but you just brought up another another uh, subject within the same umbrella that that Kevin always brings up. When he was at Better World Books, he said that you would you knew that in September and in January you're going to have more computing capacity than you had. So that what they would do is they would they would go out in advance, and they'd say, look, we need X. You guys know that the term is more than I do. We need X probably from the middle of August to October 1st, and every year we know we need 40% more than we have, and we don't feel like building out the 40%, and we're going to get it from you guys like in advance, a planned sort of thing. Right. Uh, and, but now how that, that would seem to be somewhat different than always having somebody on call for spikes that could come at any time. It almost means... You have to pay somebody to have that capability on an ongoing basis, even if on, on a Tuesday you're not using it. There has to be a, an ongoing fee there, I would think. Well, the reservoir has to be there, right, and, and somebody has to pay for the reservoir. Yeah. Because it's not free. All right. But the, but the, basically, the, so the bottom line is that what you, what you spend on this and the ability to do this uh, is always more expensive than building the same capacity on a I always have it basis yourself because nobody works for zero. And and there's no such thing as a business that stays around for any length of time that doesn't have a margin. So that's you know, that's the reality of it. But what 
what all of these different people have have bought into over the years, and what I've I've tried to warn uh, various companies away from, but most of them don't want to listen, is that when you do this, that the the urge among the providers, among the AWSs of the world, is to provide a set of tools that are non-portable; they can't be taken anywhere else, and somehow talk you into using them. Because as soon as you do that, you screwed yourself. All right, you have locked yourself into somebody else's data center and made it very difficult, or, or even impossible, without a tremendous amount of expense, to tell them I, I don't like your latest price revisions. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, and and that is you know we we do this we do this in virtually every area, and when it's voluntary. Uh, you know, God love you. This is called competition. It's the nature of you know. It's the nature of business. The, the place that I have my 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 stuff, my publication things, um, has has slowly started to try to place this kind of squeeze on people like me. And so far, it hasn't bit me. But I pay very careful attention to it, and I don't use any of the tools that could potentially get me into that box because uh, you know they they will probably at some point. Uh, do something that uh, that pisses me off enough that I say, all right, I've, you know, I've had enough with you, and I go somewhere else. I need to be able to do that in order to maintain any kind of value proposition uh, over just running a, well, you know, a line into my. It's fairly price. natural, though, Carl. Even though, you know, if it gets to an extreme spot, it's a you know, well, it ought to be an antitrust thing. But by and large, I mean the guys like Amazon, if they if they come into your guys like Amazon, well, be be baby form, I guess. If, if if it's Carl's camera shop in in Rapid City, North Dakota, and you always just sold cameras there, there, and these guys say, you know, you could, well, you probably figured it out a little bit yourself by now, or unless you're a total luddite worse than me, say, well, you know, I, I could probably sell some of these online because I keep, I know what I'm doing. I have every every conceivable lens here, and somebody from uh, New York might actually want to buy something from me now with this new newfangled thing. Right. Uh, so Amazon says, well, how about you? We'll just put you on our site or, or eBay or whatever one you might be on all of them, and now all of a sudden you're somebody in our site, and all and maybe now you do pretty good work, and now you you, you know you got the manual stuff. I'm mean, I'm going back a ways. You have maybe have your own internal computer system, and you go, God, I just doubled my business. I need I need some more capacity. Well, Amazon's already talking to you. They're they're already as long as they're and you maybe you're doing your billing through them, you're doing something for them, like you're saying they they get attached. And they say, look, we sell the stuff here. Why do you want to go somewhere else? And, and as long as they're somewhat competitive, it's a pretty easy sell, i got to believe. I mean, it's it's somewhat natural. Why do I got to find another person when you're already in the door? Well, yeah, and that's, and I mean, one of the things that, that gets gets real dangerous, though, with things like, like AWS and other cloud providers is that if you don't pay attention to the scaling and how it works, uh, and the billing associated with it, you can get some really ugly surprises. And uh, you know, if, if you have, if you're being billed by the, you know, by the minute of CPU consumed, for example, and you have something go wrong with your software, and it uh, instead of processing and then waiting, it uh, it ends up in a loop consuming CPU time. Uh, <laughs> God help you when the when the invoice comes. Okay, and and those kinds of errors are not. Uncommon in computer software at all. They're they're quite common, um, 
and of course the uh, you know the cloud providers feast on those kinds of uh, pieces of stupidity, but they do occur. And so you you have to be aware of how what you're signing up for actually functions. Some some environments in some ways uh, you know are, there's ways to protect yourself against that, and others there's not. And so, but a lot of people just they don't they don't put the thought process into it. They're like, well, this is easy. Well, Kevin, well, yeah, Kevin it, just it's easy uh, for a reason just messaged me that what. He thinks what what you what you're saying is that no matter what you're getting the service you're getting from somebody, you want to maintain ownership of your data and your programs. If you don't, then you're is that what you're talking about? That's how you get in trouble. Well, it's it, yeah, it's a little more. It's that's sort of true. The the bigger problem is these tie-ins, and so most of these companies have APIs, uh, application programming interfaces that they publish that allow you to to mechanize some of the control functionality. All right, so you know you need to increase capacity or whatever. Instead of doing it yourself, click, click, click on keyboard. You can have the you know the machine do that in response to load and things like this. Problem is, all those are proprietary, and so if you use those tools that they provide, then you know let's say that Google Google has a cloud service now. So does Microsoft. Microsoft Microsoft is called Azure. Uh, and you decide, well, you know Amazon's too expensive. I'm going to go over to Microsoft's. Uh, you may find that doing that is very difficult or, or even impossible because you've architected your software around the the one that you're on. So you need to be very careful doing that uh, because that I mean the nature of competition is it has to be meaningful. You know this, we've got this big controversy with Bud Light, right? Well, you know, guess what? Beer's beer, right? To a point. Well, by the way, why, uh, did, why didn't we start the uh, the upstart beer? Was it beer from the right or right wing beer or something? Well, now it's right wing, yeah, and and you know so I mean. But that's the nature of competition. That's how it's supposed to work. Well, uh, you know, then, uh, but just in general, when, when, when companies grow, and that's why I, I really would, of course nobody's ever going to listen to me, I really would like to see something that allows the shareholders a little more power in, in the, and when the companies are starting to do stuff that is not maybe in the shareholders' best interest, the shareholders get some of their money back. We'll be we'll be careful here, Chief, because we have some of this now, and it's and it's being roundly abused. Okay, I mean, you take a look at for uh, all this ESG stuff that's going on that's being driven by BlackRock and Vanguard, and you know, and some of these other guys. Uh, they're not the beneficial owners of those shares. All right, explain what ESG is to everybody. Okay, so this is this is the concept: uh, environmental sustainability and governance. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, or D, or I call it die instead of DEI. Uh, I just move the order of the letters around a little bit, and the premise behind this is is that there's that that companies have an obligation to do something other than make money. The yeah. problem with this is if you're an investor, the entire reason you invest in a company is to make money. I mean, well, that's within, the whole, within the rules that, that within are there. the law. Yeah, within the law. Okay, but the but the entire reason you invest in a company is to make money. So. The, the problem you have is that you have these organizations like BlackRock and Vanguard uh, and, and uh, I mean, the State Street, there's, there's a handful of them. They run ETFs, okay, and there's an ETF for everything under the sun. Fine, except they now are taking their view of how many women or black people should be on the board of directors of a company and using that their view of that policy as a cudgel to demand that these firms do this. And since ETFs hold such a percentage 
of most of these firms nowadays, that, and, and they have the voting power as the ETF, they can do this. The problem with that is that they have a fiduciary responsibility to the people who buy the ETFs not to interfere with the profitability of the firm. Well, it's... it's uh, no, sort of... you, uh, look, if fiduciary responsibility means anything, then as, as a fund manager, you cannot put putting more black people on the board in front of profitability. I, I would probably that that's true. I everybody makes decisions as you know I manage money. I, I I never could never could get myself and I had I guess financial reasons for doing not not doing so Carl but basically they uh, I wouldn't say I lied because I never lied but uh you know I had a couple people in my family <laughs> die from lung cancer from smoking. Okay. Right. So I never wanted to put anybody's money in Philip Morris and those kinds of things. I just didn't want to do it. And, but you know what? But I, but I actually had a real reason that I could say to people, and, and which was... But, was, but Chief, that's fine as long as you tell everybody that's what's going well, on. Well, actually, what, but what I said was, and you know, <clears throat> I think you know I never lie, but I found an alternative... How's this for a word? Alternative truth. I said, I really don't have any kind of conscience for putting people's money into a stock that has, you know, 400 pending lawsuits <clears throat> that at any given day one of them could pop up and say by the way we're taking all your money I mean they never really did well there was a couple they really lost it because a lot of dough but the government since they were taxing them was very careful to not really hurt them all that bad with the money but I, right. but I didn't know that it could have been somebody could have actually had the stones to say you can't sell these things they're, 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 they're harmful to people so, I, I, so my, my excuse always was there's there's too much litigation. I don't need to be here because what excuse would I have to you saying you put, I put twenty percent of your money in Philip Morris a week from now are out of business? You'd say weren't there a bunch of other stocks that didn't have five thousand lawsuits going on even time? And the answer is yes. But the real reason was I didn't want to invest in them. Well, yeah, and see the thing is is that I don't have I don't have any problem with ETFs that on the the front page of the prospectus says. This this ETF only invests in firms that have twenty percent of its board members being black and women. Yeah, well, but there was a uh, irrespective right. of what that does to the performance. Well, okay? There's a dude here in Chicago. It's a real simple story. But, but, but you know what? Yeah. None of these people do this, right? But he, okay, but, none of these people are fair in their disclosure, and and well, then the they wield this stuff as a cudgel. And this is not, and this is what we've gotten in this country by not enforcing the rule of law. Right? Well, because it. it is illegal for an asset management firm to do that sort of thing because they have a fiduciary responsibility to the investors. But we have not locked up a single person for anything like this. And here oh, is whatever. We don't lock anybody big for anything. <laughs> yeah, but you know what, Chief? That, let me tell you what just what just hit the wires a couple of days ago. And I wrote an article on it as soon as it came out. I broke my normal protocol, which is a stuff post at seven o'clock in the morning to do this. I put it up. It was about four in the afternoon when I saw it. The FDA, remember the FDA, one intrepid lady at the FDA was a reason thalidomide never really became a problem in the United States, but it was in Europe, because she blocked it from coming into the U.S. and being used in pregnant women. And that, I mean, what, that's what when... You, you've mentioned that a few times. What, yeah. did, she, what did she know? What did, what did, what did she suspect she, other she, people? She suspected that there was the possibility of severe neurological damage in a developing fetus. She couldn't prove it, 
but there was no evidence that it wasn't the case. You mean, but, but there, she must have had some, she had to have one or two examples where it happened. She must, she couldn't just pull it out of thin air. Well, no, it's, it's just pharmacological, you know, the pharmacological reality. I mean, it's, it's like the stuff that went on early on when we, we had reason to believe that the spike protein by itself, without the rest of COVID-19 as a virus, was dangerous. We didn't know how dangerous. We couldn't prove it. But there was, there, there was a mechanistic explanation that this was bad. Okay. Okay, there was a way to look at the molecules and look at, at how they interacted and say, there, there may be a serious problem here. We don't know how big, but there may be a serious problem here. And the last thing you do is take that risk with a developing fetus. Okay, oh, yeah, just well, it's got to be sensitive as hell. Well, yeah, you just never do that, okay? And she said, absolutely not. She stopped it. And as a result, there were a couple of thalidomide babies in the United States, but almost none in Europe. They were all over the place. They're all dead now. All those, all those kids died. And, and it was horrible because they had stubs for arms and things like this. But this, this was something where the, the FDA, brand new agency at the time pretty much, uh, actually stopped a public health disaster. We just had a, a letter come back. There was a group of people that submitted a complaint to the FDA and said, you need to change the labeling on the COVID vaccines because the labeling says it is for active immunization against COVID. In other words, it prevents you from getting immunized is a word that means something. Right. Okay. Well, not anymore. We now, you, you change, change the well, meaning of stuff as you go. Well, we now know that those shots do not prevent you from getting it and do not prevent you from giving it to other people. All right? We were all told they did, and we now know scientifically that's false. We knew it's we knew at the beginning. We we did, but we ignored it. Right. Okay, deliberately. We had evidence back in the original trials in late twenty twenty, we had evidence that this was true. We didn't have proof, but we had evidence and we deliberately yeah, ignored the evidence that. that they had was Without even looking to see whether you actually got it or not, way less people died with the vaccines than didn't, than without the vaccines. Well, and and however, statistically speaking, there was no statistical power behind that. Okay, that's the problem. And there were a bunch of adverse events that were written off as not related to the jabs that there was no evidence for that either, okay, including heart attacks. Well, it was a... It was was a, was a very poorly done sledgehammer sort of survey because I remember you know you read well the trial the trial was just not long enough and it didn't have enough statistical power to get, to give you those answers with any kind of conclusive but it was it was outcome. it was it was done the, the stuff that I read and, and I this is back when you could actually find this stuff um, regular people instead of just you I mean I, I I read these things and I the one was in Brazil one was in Spain. That I read, there was there was thousands of people in it, Carl. But it was all totally. They didn't they didn't take a random sample. I'll, I'll be a, just a couple minutes on this. Is it pick a number? Fifty thousand people. They gave twenty five thousand people the real shot and twenty five thousand people a fake shot. Which I guess you have to put something nasty in there to make it. Make well, it, it was a flu shot. Well, they, made it, they have to they have to make it kind of hurt in your arm, where you knew you got the placebo or something. Well, it was a, it was it was another shot. Okay. Which, which, by the way, violates the principle that you have to actually prove that it's safe. Well, okay, but this, this, this the one I this might have been in Brazil. They allege that they gave people placebos where they put something in there to make your arm hurt. But it, uh, but it wasn't a placebo. It okay, was an it, was actual, it was another vaccine. 
All right. Well, then, well, then they let these people. They say, you know, go forth and what was the Bible? Go forth and, and yeah, go forth and, and play around and, and see multiply what or something. Right. Well, right. then they did, they didn't say out of the twenty five thousand on each side. Maybe they just didn't have the money, Carl. Whatever. We're gonna we're gonna follow one of ten people, and every week we're gonna test them to see what happens to them all the right. along the way. They just said, okay, come on back. If, if you, you get if you get sick if you get, if you get sick enough to come back, you know. And, and by the way, if you get sick enough to die. That's what we're going to kind of treat. So out of out of like 200 people that died out of the 50,000 or whatever the number was, only 10 of them were people who had the real shot. So that's how they got the 90%, which is right. really screwed up. But I mean, it, I mean it, that's that's no kind of a of a, an ongoing survey. But as fast as they wanted to go, that's what they used. My, my, I'm pretty much right on this, aren't I? Yeah, that, yeah, that's essentially what happened. But what they also did was that there were uh, it, it, the trial, the total size of the trials in the United States and, and in the other and across the other countries, so this is about thirty thousand, right? Which is a pretty large. I mean, that's a fairly large big number. Trial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a pretty big number. Okay, I mean, you know, half of them got the real shot, half of them didn't. But then they had several. They had several heart attacks and strokes. More of them in the active group, and they were ignored as not being caused by. They had no evidence for this. Were they, were they okay. even really tracking that, though? I mean, they weren't, well, they, well, they weren't yeah, tracking the, these guys on a daily basis. No, no, but if you have a heart attack or a stroke, you end up in the hospital. Right, okay? right, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, they knew that that had happened, but they dismissed this as, oh, well, you know, that guy's 50, he might have had a heart attack anyway, right? They didn't do any of the in the backstory investigation to figure out why the heart attack had occurred. They just ignored it. And yet there was a statistical signal, there was a danger signal in that data. It was there, and it was deliberately ignored. But the, where I was going with this, and the reason I brought this particular aspect of things up, is that these guys sent this letter to the FDA and said, you need to change the labels. The FDA came back and said, no, we don't. And the reason is that by our rules, a vaccine doesn't have to prevent the disease or prevent you from giving it to someone else. Well, these are the same guys that, that redefined recession. Well, yeah, now, now, but now think about what this just means. Okay, Chief, you, you step on a rusty nail and go get a tetanus shot, and you get tetanus and die anyway, and that's okay. Uh, it's, yeah, it's not really okay, especially those tetanus well, shots. Well, guess are... what? The FDA just said it is. Okay? Or you get a measles shot and get the measles. Or yeah. you get bit by an animal. They suspect it's rabid because you didn't catch it. And they give you the rabies vaccine, and you die of rabies. And this is considered, this is now, by the FDA's own words, folks, I'm not making this up. This is in this document. I, I actually pulled a copy of the PDF. It's on the official government website and put it in the article. The FDA has stated that drugs don't have to actually work to be approved. They just approved another one for ALS, you know, Lou Gehrig's disease is horrible. That failed its primary endpoint, well, and they the, and they approved it anyway. This I, is the second one in the last year well, and a half. The other one was for my, Alzheimer's. My mom's been dead roughly sixteen years, and when she was going downhill, remember the everybody else probably doesn't remember it. I, th- I bet it's still around. Remember the drug of Aston? Oh, absolutely. That was that was approved, and then they, and they kept looking for a disease that might work might work for. It yeah, well, for this is. But you know what? This is the same sort of this kind of stuff. All right, we've got the there's same debates been going on for the last 15, 20 years on statins. Okay, 
um, there is there is something going on in our nation. I mean, you know, there's you've got RFK running around saying that uh, you know, saying that basically all of these shots, uh, you know, they're the cause of autism. Okay, he's been saying it for a long time. He's now running for president. Therefore, they're going to have some trouble keeping him, sh- you know, making him shut up. Uh, I don't buy that particularly. However, because I don't think the data is there to support it. However, the the incidence rate for autism in particular is absolute proof of an environmental cause. Without a doubt. And in, now, in my, in my... now what the now what the environmental thing is that we're doing to the kids that's causing it is open to question. But that it's environmental and not mutational is absolute fact. Whatever I, you know, when people come to me and say, "Well, people," and I talk to everybody as you all know, when people say these people who uh, think these shots are uh, cause autism, or, or you know these crazy people on that side of the aisle, whatever that matter what I'm aisle it is. And I'll say, you know what? They're probably crazy, but the the one way you can shut them all up is to tell me what actually is causing it. And right. They, and then 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 I think they'll shut up. And until you have the real cause, I guess you can't tell people they're wrong because you don't know if they're wrong. Well it's envi- it's environmental because it is a accelerating exponential curve and has been for the last thirty five years. I'll, I'll lob one one opinion at you and then we're gonna go to break here, Carl. This opinion comes from absolute nowhere other than than, you know, maybe a little first hand experience is uh my buddy uh uh Greg comes on the show once in a while, has two kids, you know, nice family. And he right. and he went to uh you know, and he's a bright guy. He's, other than being an attorney, he's a, he's a bright guy. He uh, he says, you know, I went to get my kids the, the, the first shots, and I, you know, and I, I'm not an anti-shot guy. And uh, and the, and, the, and he goes, the doc, I says, well, you, it looks like you only got like one needle. Well, yeah, all all seven of them are in the shot. And he goes, wait a minute, <laughs> how do how do you know one doesn't interact with something? He goes, why don't we do this? Why don't I come back the next three weeks and we'll do like two or three a week. And the guy looked at him and said, well, that's not the way we do it. Yeah, but that's kind of maybe the way I want it. And the guy right. grudgingly, you know, I, I wonder if it's just, if it's a combination of stuff that screws people up. Well, I suspect it is. I mean, it's, it, the the reality is is that anything in sufficient dose is a poison. Yeah. Okay, I don't care what it is. Uh, you can kill yourself with water. Did I, ever so, tell you my, did I ever tell you my tetanus story in 30 seconds or less? Uh, I, I had a, no. I had a... a uh, Nasty injury in the park. I had a compound dislocation of a finger because. Yow. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I had a, well, the dog ran in front of the bike. I hit the brakes. You know, whatever it was bad. Yeah. And because uh, I didn't want to hit the dog, and, refer- and I guess if I did it again, maybe I'd run into the dog. I don't know. But uh, so they fixed my finger up. Uh, no, well, it's fine. Although it didn't look fine at the time. Uh, they so the guy says, "Well, you're not going anywhere for like a day because you had an open." essentially an open joint in the park and you're going to be on a three antibiotic drip for 24 hours. And I go, all right. And he says, oh, by the way, it's the last time you had a tetanus shot. Right. And I said, well, it's been like a long time. I said, but you know, wait a minute, because my mother just had one and she had a real allergic reaction because there's like three or four things in there. Right. I said to the guy, look, I just, I just want a tetanus shot. And he goes, oh, that's because it's DTAP and they won't make just tetanus. Well, this is a while ago. 
The guy goes, I think we got one of those around, <laughs> one or two of those left. <laughs> the nurse walks up. Remember when you were a, a little tyke, when you went to get a shot, for people that don't know this, close your ears, they would actually reuse needles, and they were all metal, and they'd be in the steamer. Now, nobody ever oh, died yeah. from But the, the needle size has to have been, what, four times, ten times the size? These COVID shots, you didn't even know you, didn't even know you got a shot. That's not like... So the guy, the guy walks in with this big metal one. He goes, <laughs> <laughs> and he, I go, what is that? He goes, you said you wanted an old tetanus shot. We had some old tetanus vaccine. It'll only fit in its real thick stuff, evidently, the old stuff. He goes, well, it'll only fit in this thing. God, I felt like I got harpooned. <laughs> well, it's a, you know, it looks like a turkey baster. Oh, yeah. God. I, <laughs> you've got to be kidding me. But, you know, so they, they, I can, oh, God. Anyway, so I'm like, yeah, those things hurt. <laughs> no one, anyway, S&P Futures down 14, NASDAQ Futures down 38. We'll be right back with this crazy conversation. truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas, and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know. All while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. 
Well, we're back, Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tomorrow Andrew on the board. SP Futures down 13.50. NASDAQ Futures down 31. A lot of this is, uh, is, is, is uh, Carl mentioned, we had Amazon was up 13 bucks last night after they announced, and all of a sudden, well, they're down three. They were down a little bit more. So they're actually down a little bit here. So we're, we're taking a little bit of a pause. We had a huge move the last two days in the NASDAQ because of, uh, first it was Microsoft, then it was Facebook. I mean, the stuff's going to the moon. The last one of the fangs to report was Amazon, and we thought they were going to have a encore and did for a few minutes, but then uh, not so much. We're in Europe. Yeah, DAX down eight. Call that flat. Puts you down five. Call that flat. Kakaron's got some movement, though, down 50.7%. Europe has been very quiet. Markets have been kind of quiet, even though they've been up. DK up 398, 1.4%. Uh, That's a big move. Hang Seng up 54.3%. Not a big move, but it's 19,894. Trying to go through 20,000 again. Uh, Shanghai's up 37. That's a full 1%. Over, uh, U.S. Uh, yesterday, the Dow was up 524, S&P up 79, uh, NASDAQ was not showing me, I mean, it was up almost 300 points, uh, even though it says unchanged, that is not right. Uh, bonds, uh, down 7 basis points today, 3.45, the Bund down 11, 2.34, as, as bonds are, uh, are rallying today, are pretty good. Japan uh, down 6, the, uh, 0.40, was almost it was a 0.49 earlier in the week. Um, oil, yeah, I, don't, I don't trust any of these firms, these Central banks do not pour money into the system. Um, if there is a recession, we'll talk to Carl about that in a second. Oil up 42 cents, 75.18. Brent up 63 cents, 79 bucks. Natural gas up 5 cents, 241. Our Bob up 2 cents, 255. We've got gold uh, down 890, back under 2000. <clears throat> 1990, silver down 15 cents, 2043. Copper unchanged, 386. Uh, we've got Bitcoin uh, down 374, 29,333. And the U.S. dollar, as we might guess here, is actually um, is actually up some today. That's why gold and stuff's down. We got the uh, euro down to 109.6. It was over 110 yesterday. And the pound's 124.6. That that's only down a little bit. Uh, what do you have for us? Traffic weather, sports. Bears drafted a guy from Tennessee, I think. Yeah, let's see. I can confirm that for yeah, you. They did. Go ahead. Just keep going. The offensive. They traded down to not take the guy from Georgia with the. Uh, issues because he was in the drag race where somebody got killed. And so the guys, uh, Philadelphia took him in the Bears' ninth spot, and the Bears took this guy in the tenth spot. An offensive tackle from Tennessee. He's supposed to be pretty good. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I just got the scores for you here. And uh, today it's just the uh, uh, Cubs and the Sox. And last night it was the Cubs won over the Padres and in their game 5-2. to two. And the Sox lost to the Rays and in their game 14-5. to five. Eight in a row they've lost. Yeah, not a good one. Uh, but over to Chicago weather, it's currently 48 degrees. Uh, looks like the start of a kind of cloudy week. Uh, Going to have some uh, partly cloudy skies today, uh, high of 52 in the middle of the day. And over in Phoenix, they're at 69 degrees. Going to have a high of 98, uh, but they're going to have clear skies. Probably a lot of sun over there. And finally, over to Chicago traffic. Uh, looks like an accident just appeared on the Eisenhower. That's on the outbound. Uh, looks like it's near Des Plaines Avenue. Uh, not too big a delays around that. Other than that, if you're going on the inbound expressways, traffic is a little heavy today, but thankfully no major accidents to report. So that's all I got. Back to you, Chief. Carl, I'm going to finish what we're talking about. i got about two or three other questions. At least going to get around the table. We'll take them in whatever order you want to. Um, one is the GDP number yesterday was horrible, 1.1%. Uh, well, you th yeah, that, and we just got the ECI uh, while we were on break. Right, and then when they're talking, and then plus the PCE we got too, whatever they, of course that thing's useless because we can't even check it out, right? 
Right. There's no way to. Yeah. For all for all you know, that's uh, you know one of Joe's lackeys sitting in a room, you know, twisting a knob. Right. Yeah. By the way, were you were you the uh, the alleged Russian or Ukrainian hacker that called in and said you were the president of uh, <laughs> Ukraine and had a long conversation with Jerome Powell? You know, I wish uh, that that's hilariously funny, and. Um, it it goes back to one of the things you were talking about though in the first hour, the whole thing with AI, right? Um, and that is that producing fakes of that sort, vocal intonation and things like that, is is very close to being able to be done today in a way that you can't distinguish it. So in other words, someday there might be somebody who sounds just like you and it's not you. Uh not someday, right now. Really? And it's it's close enough to pass on a phone call, and it is getting very close to the point that it will be close enough to pass with video, and that is a very serious problem because um, you know there are plenty of people that's that uh, have made the accusation that some of Biden's appearances have actually been a body double wearing a mask. Okay, uh, maybe, and there have been a few pointing to things like person scratches the back of their neck and it looks like they have a silicone applique over the top of, you know, over their face, right? Well, that's kind of hard to pull off in in person because the, the people do things. They, you know, they, they scratch something, you know, fly lands on there, you swat at it, whatever, and, you know, and, and the illusion gets shattered because something moves in a way that doesn't look right. If you could do that entire thing digitally... Um, that protection against that disappears. Yeah. And this is very bad because now, you know, um, you know, somebody shows up on quote-unquote TV, it's not necessarily them. Uh, that's, well, I didn't even thought of that. Uh, that's very, uh, Chief, that's extraordinarily dangerous. And, you know, we, we for years... Well, really going all the way back to the start of television. I mean, you know, infamously, the first actual television broadcast was Hitler. Really? Okay. Yeah, I don't know. A lot of people don't know that. But it, but the first time that, that there was actually a television broadcast, Adolf Hitler was... The, but, but it had to be, it had to be uh, BBC, isn't it? Aren't they the ones who invented it? I, I don't remember who ran it, but it was but it was Adolf Hitler. Okay? I mean, it was Nazi Germany. Uh, of course, but we have we have all grown up in the modern era, and we have all been, you know, if somebody, you know, the President of the United States stands up and gives a speech, and it's on video, um, you accept that that's the President of the United States. That the President actually did that. Isn't there uh, been a couple of movies where, where it wasn't the President, right? Well, yeah, but you know, now they were movies. This, is, this is no longer this is no longer out in the you know, out in the science fiction realm uh, this is now real. You can now, for for example, somebody could just by taking the the public YouTube videos where I've done a personal appearance. Okay, I used to do podcasts on them all the time. Um, I showed up on CNBC a few times during the crash, you know, the 08 crash and things like this. Just with that as training information, you could produce a video of me saying literally anything. Uh, that's something to look forward to. Well, this is now within the realm of what I could do with the computer on my desk. Okay, we don't need, you know, you don't need to be a three-letter agency to pull something like this off anymore. 
You know who was uh, one of the inventors, allegedly, of, of TV? I thought it was the BBC that, or somebody, was the, the person who ended up being the head of British intelligence during World War II, Bill Stevenson. Yeah, well, big surprise, right? Well, those, those times when people in those jobs were like brilliant people. Oh, I know, but you know what? That doesn't happen you anymore. Know, well, they may be brilliant people. That doesn't mean that what they use is, is all for good, right? No, but I'm I mean, saying he... kind of the it goes. The guy was a, uh, an inventor. Right. He was a massive mass, mathematician. And, oh, by the way, he was light heavyweight boxing champ. How's that for... It's, yeah, a, well, there you go. Sort of a well-rounded dude. Uh, and he was able to read the equivalent of a Victorian novel a day in reports. Contrast yeah. him with virtually anybody we have in politics here now. Oh yeah, I mean, forget about it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so what I'm, I, I guess the reaction yesterday, and it's very, very seldom that I, and I don't, and I don't trade short term for my people. Uh, you know, if I we'll put it this way, Carl, if I really had the secret, I would, but I don't think anybody has the secret, unless you unless you got a peak like the firms do. Um, when I saw that. GDP number come out yesterday, and all of a sudden the spoos start going down, right? I was right. During, it was during the show, and I'm going, you idiots, don't sell it. Don't sell it. It's going to go the other way. Because I, th- I think we have trained in the last, say, 10 years, we have trained a whole group of investors that the worst things get, we immediately turn into the Weimar Republic, where the Fed pours money. If we go into a recession, I'm going to say, if you told people right now, definitely, by any definition of a recession, Six months from now, we're going to be in a 2%, 3% down year, GDP-wise. The smart people would buy the market. And I can't believe I ever would say that because it should be That's, just... Uh, the- Chief, you're right. And, uh, you know, it's. I mean, I look at the reaction that we've had. I mean, this is, there was some of this back to the 2000 time frame, but since 08... Yeah, and, and what they did in 08, what Bernanke did, and then, of course, you know, Yellen and, and now Powell... And and this, it's Pavlovian and it's ridiculous, and yet it is exact. But then again, is it ridiculous? If somebody does the same thing over and over again a hundred times, when are you going? You know, I mean, you'd be crazy not to believe they won't do it again, right? Well, that's right. And I, I had you know some some not so great years managing money in there because it took me a while to sort of figure it out. When I say figure it out, you go back to the these really were the Obama years, and and, yeah. it, and it felt so good. In 2008, to just pour money into the system to save it, allegedly. And some of it probably was necessary. If you and I had been the head of the Fed, we'd probably have done some of it. But for the next eight years, the market kind of crept up every year, a low volatility. You could never sell it. Anytime you, you tried to go long volatility, you got your ass kicked because it was just slow and grinding up. Well, it was just a grind, yeah. We, you go back and you look at it, we probably averaged 8% money supply growth for an eight-year period when it was not even necessary. We, we had like maybe 2% growth, real growth at, at best. So every year we had this 5 or 6% creep in creep in the value of stuff versus the dollar, I meaning we, we dragged the dollar down. And it, it exactly what did the market go up on average? 6 8% a year, right? Yeah. Just And so right now, I mean, this is not, I mean, you, you look at the, these horrible places I'm talking about, Venezuela, Argentina, Turkey, uh, Weimar Republic was the, if the Fed doubles the amount of money tomorrow, the the, the market's going to double. Your your lifestyle is not going to double, but the mar- the market's not. Let's put it this way, the market will not double. the The value of the dollar will be cut in half, so the market will look like it doubled. 
Right. And and the problem with that, of course, is that your standard of living will go in the toilet. Right. And it's and you know, I mean, we we seem to have this idea, you know. So it, why I've said though for you know for quite a while since all the the COVID cash you know being thrown around started, um, and and I get a lot of people very angry with me because Trump was the one who did that, of course. Sure. And oh no 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 Trump was a no no Trump was the self-proclaimed king of debt. He said it on the campaign trail. It was his own words. I didn't make it up. I didn't attribute it to him. He actually touted this that this was this was how he was going to govern, and people elected him well, anyway. Put through a huge okay. tax cut without any without any corresponding without any way to pay for it. Yeah, that's right. And you know, and no spending cuts. And now you know this joke of a thing that McCarthy has come out with. Which is, uh, you know, well, you know, we'll we'll cut this, and this is, and th- but this goes back to what we allow Congress and the government to do. All of these guys release these their their plans, their budget plans, whatever have you, with ten year projections. But it is a fact that under the Constitution, no Congress can prevent the next one from doing whatever they want. Well, okay? plus they have these these alleged theories, Carol, that if you cut. If you cut, let's put, how can I put a every man? If you and I both know that if you uh, run a marathon, well, you run them, and you don't drink, have a drink of water, you're probably not going to end up so hot. Well, you end up very hot. Uh, if, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If, if, but if you decide to drink four gallons during the marathon, you're probably going to die or close yeah. to it. So there's a so this idea of when, when you take um, was it Kennedy took the the tax rate from uh, what was it, ninety to seventy or seventy to fifty or whatever. Then, then Reagan dropped it. When I was in college, it was fifty. So Reagan must have dropped it a little bit lower. Than that. But from those ends, nobody's going to make a decision to run to open up a business if you. Well, of course, they had a million deductions. But if you had to pay if ninety, if you win, you lose ninety. You you make ten, and if you if you lose, you lose all a hundred. Well, that's just insanity. Nobody's going to do that. Uh, but now, if you, the, you but you, I'd be hard pressed to say. The difference between 30% tax rate and 22, whether you and I are, think we're going to open up a business that's going to be successful, that's not going to determine how we do it. We're, nobody's that close on the edge, I don't think. But So it's, it's all about, I mean, when, when, when Trump lowered the taxes, they used an algorithm from, that nobody even knows it was correct, from essentially 60 years ago. They said if you lower taxes, the productivity you, you pick up is going to more than make up for the tax you're not going to collect over well, and, a 10-year And period. you know what? This, this, trope, this trope is as old as economics. Yeah. It's been run by every, every Republican administration forever. And, and the problem with it is, is that at the extremes, it never works no. because it can't. All right, obviously, if you cut taxes to zero, you'll collect no money, right? So there is, you know, whether there's a sweet spot, a belly in the curve, if you will, uh, maybe there is. But the answer is not to just do this without some evidence that you know that that is in fact the case but right, the under a particular set of circumstances. Democrats are just as bad. They pass a bill saying we're gonna we're gonna make everybody get on internet and we're gonna spend a trillion dollars to do it. And oh, by the way, when everybody's on internet, they'd be so productive we're gonna get our trillion dollars back and then. Well, uh, yeah. Well, look at the well and look at the green energy stuff. Okay, we're gonna we're, everything's gonna be wind and solar. Um, oops, except that sometimes the wind doesn't blow and the sun does not shine. Uh, and then, by the way, you don't have any electricity. Well, you know, because, could, because we got rid of all of the backups that work regardless of what the weather's like. Well, we were talking a little bit earlier about 
you know, whether you have the ability or should be putting this stuff in this ESG stuff. Actually, one a guy, he's, he's got to be up there now because we were talking about maybe combining firms. He was a money manager, real nice guy. And he, for years, he was an attorney, so he just had a, a few clients. Uh, you know, he didn't know anything with options. He, what he did is he, he did uh, was sort of green, socially conscious companies, and there was a, there's a professor, the guy must still be alive, uh, over in Chicago that rated a whole bunch of companies, you know, big companies, on just how environmental, not, 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 not environment, just how much they, they actually believed the rules were there for a reason and actually obeyed them, you know, environmental right. and other stuff. It wasn't putting this person on the board or that. It was just a general, uh, should we say, community environmentally friendly way to run a business. In a t- I got gotcha. you. Yeah. And he said, so we invested in those companies? And he goes, you know, at the end of 20 years, the guy was doing it. He goes, our returns are just as good as anybody else's. So yeah. the idea that you have to cheat to make dough isn't isn't right either. No, it's not. But uh, but you know, I mean, I what I keep looking at though when I you know when I look at all these different things is that we, I, I oh. see all of this evidence that we have we have essentially taken what's supposed to be a personal decision, abstracted it into a supposedly, you know, a a, a governance call, if you will, right. And we've done this across the board, but what we have gotten rid of is the accountability. And, you know, say what you will about Arthur Anderson and whether they should have been prosecuted. I have, There's a clean debate. I could probably take either side of that debate and, and do okay why against somebody we, else. Why don't we, Andrew, Andrew, take a note. Put it on your machine. Next Friday, let's talk about that because the idea that they didn't have a regulator landed them in court. That's right. why you, you'll never see Goldman Sachs in court. Right, but see, but see, the thing is this. Post that event, it became official policy of the Department of Justice not to indict corporations. Well, and the reason for that, I think... Well, because Carol, of job loss that comes... Well, in, and by the way, if you get convicted as a corporation, you're barred from many federal contracts. Well, you, you cannot, you could not, if you were convicted of a felony, which is what they right. were convicted of, you could no longer do audits, which is well, what Well, that's they what I'm did. saying. You're barred from many regulated but things. The, but if, if there would have been, and accounting companies, just so I'll show you how, well, how can I say this nicely, Carl, how stupid <laughs> accountants can be because they're so brilliant. Sometimes the smarter you are, the dumber you are somewhere else, right? I mean, that's just the way. Yep. You, uh, they didn't. They never wanted a regulator. And by the way, I can't stand a lot of regulators, but they never wanted one. But they, but they foolishly didn't realize that some of the the stuff that the SEC finds with people and firms and FINRA people, for God's sake, if that was ever in court, that would be a felony. You'd be in jail. The regulator essentially insta- insulate you from the criminal justice system. So, but see, that's that's wrong. Well, sure it is. Sure see, it is. That's the whole problem. Yeah. Is the, the entire point of Arthur Anderson being prosecuted, okay, is that if you are convicted of a felony, if you personally are convicted of a felony, there are lifetime disabilities that you acquire as a result of that, well, including look, your your loss of your Second Amendment rights. Well, look at, okay, th- this is serious stuff. Well, look no further, Carl, than right now, because you know, you're not here anymore, but you have your eyes open. Look at the Madigan Four being tried in court for crimes, and yet Commonwealth Edison, that if they're guilty, 
so is Commonwealth Edison. They just paid a fine. Right. Well, well, I you know I wrote about the situation that happened down in Alabama, right, where you had the the Jefferson County guys had a had a sewage problem. All right, um, and the EPA came after them because they they were releasing untreated water under a number of of circumstances. And so, okay, we've got to fix this because, you know, we're getting fined by the regulators for polluting, uh, legitimately fined. And so what they did was they came up with this plan to to supposedly fix this. The problem was there was bribery involved. And, Uh, well, and they actually convicted some of the county officials that were involved in this. They were tried, they were found guilty, and they were convicted. However, the bribes went through some of the big banks, and the banks knew about it. How do they know? Just well, why why is this guy depositing you know one hundred fifty thousand uh, <laughs> dollar almost almost literally money that was in a suitcase? Why okay. why why is X Y Z bringing in all this cash and it's going to Carl's account? I, I'm just saying. There's, yeah, yeah. There, but but in fact. It wasn't just the scheme involved them directly because there were bond issuances that were behind this. Okay. Okay. So they were they were directly involved in the schemes. They were never prosecuted. And and oh by the way, so the people that got the bribes um, were prosecuted. The people that gave the bribes were not. Right. And in addition to that, the people who live in that county are still getting screwed today with like a 300% increase in their water and sewer rates. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the, the justice system. We, we know it doesn't so the people work for got regular to keep, people. They, yeah, they got to keep the, the fruits of the bribery. Well, and, the, and the people who live there got screwed. No, nowhere on the table with the four people from Commonwealth Edison, I should be clear with that, that are accused of actually doing the bribery. Not the company itself, not the, not the board of directors who should have known about it or maybe did know about it. Right, and nor will any of the rates that they jam through that they shouldn't have, nor nor will those rates ever come down. It's, yeah, I mean it's a total goat bleep, right? Uh, well, yeah, but see that's the thing is that we don't we got rid of the idea. All right, well listen, maybe you can't recover when somebody does something like this. In some cases, you can't recover the the former status quo because the money did get spent, right? You, you could you could drop rates by twenty five percent for the next two years of penalty. But but what I'm saying is this. Yeah. You've got that as a factor. You've also got the fact that that you know somebody owns the other side of that bond, right? They bought it. Right. Well, you also have okay. Okay. The the, the chairman who's who's walking away, uh, but he, easily he's going to keep his four million dollars. Cool. Or yeah. Well, really. you could you could you could get that. You could confiscate that. And the other thing you could do is you could jail everybody on both sides. Well, that that's true. Carl, we got a dash, right. buddy. Have a nice weekend. Uh, SP futures down nine. Nasdaq futures down nineteen. Are White Sox ever going to win? Uh, well, you know, I, I used to call them the flubs, but now we should call them the sucks. Yeah. Well, the north side guys with the flubs. Now now we got the sucks, right? Yeah, well, it's the, I don't know what they're doing down there. but <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be back on Monday. Stacks and Jacks. PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex, offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. 
Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.